How about these battling bucks? Bounce left side, picked by Hayes, throw to second one, to first, picked by Santana. What a double play. Gonna try and score, no, he's held up, and now they've got a double play chance. Rodriguez will throw to second, here comes the throw back to the plate, and they do it! Yes. What a job! What a job! Bounce left side, picked by Hayes, throw to second one, to first, picked by Santana. What a double play. Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the 412 Double Play Podcast, one of the weirder winter meetings in recent memories this past week, and we will be talking all about it today. I am your host, Michael Castrogano. Back with me this week, my double play partner, Ed Wassel, to break this all down. Ed, how about this past week in baseball? Virtually nothing happens at the winter meetings. Uh, we'll talk about the stuff that did, but the Juan Soto traded from the Padres to the Yankees. Big deal there. And then the week ending with Shohei Otani netting the biggest free agent contract in North American sports history. What was your initial reaction to that news? Uh, wow, was my initial reaction. <laughs> I think everyone knew he was going to get paid. Uh, I don't think anybody had it quite that much money. I thought well, here's the thing. Thought they like were all six hundred was going to be like pushing, especially after coming off the injury. I thought maybe he would even do like a short term yeah. deal. Right. But uh yeah, they, they, not they were saying five hundred million with like the the if he did a long term thing, or he might try to do an incentive laden shorter term thing or something with opt outs or something like that. And then the Dodgers go out ten years, seven hundred million. The Aaron Judge set the largest free agent contract last year with uh nine years three 40, 360, something like that. Uh, I think it was 360. And Shohei comes out and just doubles it. Yeah. And I think that's... And a lot of the other podcasts and on Twitter or X, however you want to say it, like there's there's been running jokes about, oh, let's, well, the Pirates will announce that they're signing Shohei with the realistic understanding that that's impossible to happen. Because you've got teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees who can pay for the Aaron Judge and Shohei Otanis, and then there's pretty much everyone else. I mean, Pirates could have done it if they gave them like sixty years of deferred money. Yeah, <laughs> they, they just went all in for these these couple of years, and just um, I mean, the from what was posted. From what came out about his contract, the majority of the money is deferred. So I don't know how much. So three hundred fifty million plus has been deferred to some extent. Uh, I was guessing it was something in the, the nature of the Max Scherzer contract with the Nationals, where he had it like through like ten or fifteen years. That the other half was deferred. 
Yeah, and then they, they negotiate like, be competitive. what kind of interest they get on that deferred money as well. So it'll be interesting to see what that number is. Do they? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> okay. I didn't know if they got interest on it. Yeah, that was just they, they negotiate the... whatever the interest is on it. Well, for what the Pirates did do this week, pretty much just the one move, I believe, uh, as far as like tradings, uh, trades, signings, stuff like that. They acquired Marco Gonzalez. So he's a left-handed pitcher, soft tosser, was with the Mariners. Mariners shipped him and Evan White and um, outfielder Jared Kalanick to the Braves. Braves immediately said, we only wanted Kalanick. So they got some cash in the deal. They added some cash in the deal to send him to Pittsburgh for, it was a player to be named later, or cash. Uh, Mackey, Jason Mackey of the Post Gazette had tweeted that it was like this was before the Rule Five draft was likely going to be a Rule Five player, as the Pirates had the I think eighth pick. But if that was the case, whoever the Braves wanted us to get for them was already selected, so uh, likely will be a fringe prospect or uh, cash going back. But from what has come out about this and I know it's gotten a little bit mixed because Evan White also got traded and there's weird things with the rules, but um, Evan, uh, Ethan Houlihan has been posting about the breakdown on how cash is attributed to players who are traded. And then once they're traded again, makes no sense to me, but for people who, who are able to get into that, who, who do understand that. And Ethan does a really good job of like, I mean, we've had him on the show before, and and he does a tremendous job of digging into all that stuff. And basically, Gonzalez is going to get paid twelve point five million next year. Four and change of that is coming from the Mariners. Two point seven five is going to come from the Pirates, and the rest is going to be from the Braves. Yes, which is is our understanding. So Gonzalez had some issues last year, end of the year with a nerve injury, needed surgery, but the timeline on that has him lined up to be ready for spring training, but there's not like a long track record of pitchers who have had that kind of injury coming back and performing. So given how much we're paying him, which is a a meager portion of his overall contract, um, what is the minimum that you think he needs to perform in 2024 to live up to that part of the contract for us? Is it the minimum? Yeah. He just has to eat innings to live up to that part of the contract. Yeah. And you got to hope that he can because you just don't know. Cause we just saw it this past year with, uh, Oh, what's his face? This year's Lonnie Chisenhall, the pitcher who had nerve injury in spring training. Garcia. And- Never pitch. Yeah, Harlan Garcia. <laughs> if it's another Harlan Garcia situation where he just deals with issues all season, then it's just kind of a sunk cost. But yeah, if he makes a couple starts, if he has uh, even just early on in the season, because in midseason, hopefully there's going to be reinforcements and hopefully we're adding more guys to the rotation. We're going to talk about some options uh, who have been rumored in a little bit. But uh, I, if he makes, I mean, like with that money, if he makes five starts, like five decent starts, if he, if he gets to like 60 plus innings overall, I think that that would be a plus. 
I just don't know. You just don't know what that, the injury. And he's a soft tosser, so it's not, like, his, his fastball, I think, is like 88, 89. We basically got an improved Rich Hill. Yeah, um, and considering right uh, now, I mean, including him, we have two starters on the roster, essentially. We have two starters. I mean, if you're if you're looking at the rotation right now, if you said, okay, based on this roster, you've got Keller, you've got Gonzalez, probably Quinn Priester, Rowanzi Contreras is out of uh, options, so probably him, and then maybe Bailey Falter or Andre Jackson or Luis Ortiz. I mean, it's... It's not what you want. I think right. Quinn Priester could end up being like a fifth guy, and Rowe, they're going to give him every chance, but there's obviously other, a, at least one more addition that they need to and will be making. I, I don't know who it's going to be. Like I said, we'll talk about some options. But uh, where do you, like, if he's, if Gonzalez comes into spring training and he's our clear five guy, then that's fine, but like, where do you see him ending up in this in this rotation? I, until we make some more moves, I don't really know. I mean, right right now he's two or three. Right now he's two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the hope, like I said, the hope is that we're going to add more, um, and we're going to talk about that. We also had the draft lottery. Obviously, we had great news last year when we won it. Got the first overall pick. This year, not so lucky. We had the eighth best odds, and we actually dropped a spot. We we ended up in, we're going to be picking ninth in the 2024 uh, MLB draft. The uh, Cleveland Guardians, who were right behind us, they would have been ninth if everything lined up exactly as it was, and they ended up winning it. And unfortunately, the Reds, Finish second, so they'll we'll, we'll get the second pick in in the draft next year, however you want to phrase it. So, what kind of impact, like for you personally, was that like um, upsetting, or were you just accepting of it, or were you like happy that we didn't win the lottery again? Like as a, as a fan for you, am I, am I just talking about Pittsburgh in general, or what other teams were moved up? I mean, we're just talking about Pittsburgh okay. in general. Uh, I mean, unless we somehow won again for the number one overall pick, mm-hmm. if we had moved up again, we would have been ineligible for next year's. So, which I mean, you're hoping that we're not we're not going to be trying to get lottery pick next year, right? But the way this is shaping out, it's not looking too good early on. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So, um, the Oakland A's, uh, soon to be Las Vegas A's, won, air quotes, the lottery. They had the best odds two years in a row, or tied for the best odds two years in a row. And last year, I think they got fourth or fifth. And then this year, they got six. And that, so they are ineligible next year. So they'll pick no higher than, uh, I think it's 10th. Like the Nationals this year, they couldn't pick higher than 10th. They also couldn't pick lower than 10th. Like, they were pretty much locked in at 10. That's weird. It was like a weird thing with... it Because they were the only team. So, um, another team... I'd have to go back and look at the other teams that actually uh, finished in top six. But there's another team who's a, a payor, 
who will also be eliminated. Someone in the top six, but we didn't make it, so I don't really care that much. Um, so we also had the Rule 5 draft, and that's something that was is, is pretty much is always a hot topic. And there were a couple of names who have been tossed about as potentially getting picked or for us to potentially pick in the Major League portion. Uh, last year, obviously, we took... Um, I'm just going to keep blanking on names here. The left-handed pitcher. Help me out here. Hernandez? Hernandez. Jose Hernandez. Thank you. This is why you're on the show. This is not uh, why Jose I'm Hernandez. I am we... usually the one with horrible <laughs> names. Uh, we picked Jose Hernandez from the Dodgers. We lost Blake Sable to the Reds. Reds traded him to the Giants. He ended up sticking on the roster all season. So did Hernandez. It, I mean, overall, I guess kind of a wash, depending on how their careers go end up going forward. This year, we didn't lose any players. We didn't pick a player. Like I said, we, we passed on our Rule 5 draft. But in the minor league portion, we ended up adding four players. And we lost a couple as well. So the ads were pitcher Phineas Delbonta-Smith from Colorado. Reliever, decent, not so, you know, iffy. Uh, we also got first baseman Seth Beer from Arizona, who has had major league experience. He famously homered on National Beer Day I, in Arizona. I remember that. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> we all do. Uh, and then some more fringe picks. Third baseman slash shortstop Marcos Cabrera from the New York Yankees. Kind of iffy. At center fielder PJ Hilson. From San Francisco, he's only made it to, I think, low A, and he, he's like 23. So, but who we lost, uh, left-handed pitcher Omar Cruz to San Diego, famously was part of the um, acquisition in the Joe Musgrove trade. So I think we got him from San Diego previously. And uh, catcher Rafael Escalante, he was pretty low down. I think it was Florida Complex League. But we also lost then 14th-ranked prospect Dario Lopez. And we've been big fans of Lopez on this show. And uh, I was even joking with uh, Justin Berno on Twitter because somebody he mentioned that somebody had said that Lopez was going to be the return as the, the player to be named later for Gonzalez. And I said, oh, I'd be so mad if that happened. I'm, I'm hoping he just doesn't get picked in Rule 5. Not only was he not protected on the 40-man, he wasn't protected on the minor league portion. So uh, I'm going to give my reaction on that, but like, what were your thoughts when Lopez got picked? Kind of just shocked. Like you had mentioned, you and I were pretty high on him. Uh, apparently the organization was not. I don't know if that has it would seem. something to do with the extent of the injury that occurred this past season. Maybe it's not progressing as well or as fast as they had hoped. That is what's been reported. That there were some setbacks with the injury. I mean, but he's only 21 and was crushing in Greensboro in 2022. And it doesn't really like hurt to put him on the minor league roster. Too like, yeah, I, I don't know. It that's a lot of stuff that I don't understand. <laughs> Yeah, so 2022, he had a 286, 329, 476 triple slash, 15 doubles, 19 homers, and 58 RBIs. He dislocated his knee in spring training. 
So a problem with that, I'm not going to say the problem with that, but a problem with those numbers is that they were highly inflated by the fact that he played half his games in Greensboro, which is a hitter's paradise. But I, I mean, from what I saw with him, I, I really liked what I was seeing. I felt like it had the potential to carry over to Altoona. Now we will not know, but wish him the best. And I will have to recalculate my top 30 prospects for this spring and <laughs> try to figure it out from there. But yeah, hope all the best for him on that. But we didn't lose anybody in the major league portion. Uh, Jace Bowen, Malcolm Nunez, Matt Gorski, and all of those guys are still with the organization for anyone who was concerned about that. Yeah, last year, like, our minor league got absolutely gutted in the Rule 5 draft. Yeah, so we only <laughs> lost three total, whereas last year we lost, I want to say it was double digits. It was a lot. I mean, we get, it, it, it was so, and it was so many names that we knew and had heard about. And, like, some of them were stuff like um, fringe, like, pitcher, Peter Solomon. I think he was a relief pitcher who we picked up from the Blue Jays midseason last year. He got picked. Um, so there were, there were a couple ones where I was like, that's okay for them to go. But there's some where I was like, oh, that's interesting. They were like fringe 30 pros- top 30 prospects. So, um, so that happened. But looking at the uh, other news this past week, Pirates Fest... They dropped the tickets. They gave us some news about that. Uh, times, all that. So we obviously immediately went, got our tickets, got our Airbnb. We we're really excited to be there. Um, we'll have, I, I, I've talked to some other guys, some of the other podcasters, they're going to be doing recording stuff. We'll probably do recording stuff. We'll just be like those, those annoying fanboys there. And hopefully get in with like some of the autograph sessions and um but i think the the greatest thing is that well one they moved it back to the convention center it was at pnc park a couple years ago the last time they did it which in january is just crazy but the fact that it's free and uh trevor uh trevor travis williams the other day said that uh 16 000 tickets sold air quotes around sold because being free within the first few days of it. So it's it's hopefully going to be a packed event. Uh, what are you most excited about? Seeing, doing, asking? Well, I've never been to one before. So just attending is pretty exciting. We have not. Uh, I mean, just having the opportunity to meet some of the players, whether they be current or former. I mean, I, I don't have any questions lined yeah. up right now, but just for whatever interaction might occur. We'll try to get some for that. Yeah, we'll be wearing our... I'm sure we're going to be talking about it over the next couple weeks, but we'll be wearing our 412 Double Play shirts. Steve's going to be there too, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, so as far as holes still remaining, we talked about how the Pirates do need to address the rotation. The Pirates have been connected... Notably, to a, a number of higher-profile players for trades, and I don't know if that's just kind of like a PR thing. Dylan Cease of the White Sox, Shane Bieber and Josh Naylor of the Cleveland Guardians, 
uh, a number of pitchers with the Marlins because the Marlins are stacked with pitching, even with losing Alcantara for uh, 24 with Tommy John. They're still apparently looking to move some guys. Um, I'm going to name some guys who they've been tied to as free agents because we, it's hard to say like what it would take to get somebody like Cease or Bieber, Naylor, um, someone with the Marlins like Edward Cabrera or um, whoever else they'd be willing to part with there. But as far as free agents, we're just parting with money. So I'm going to give you a name. You tell me your reaction to if the Pirates would, were to sign him, and then I'm going to give some stats to see if that changes your mind one way or the other. So these are guys who they've also been potentially connected to uh, signing. And a lot of them we've faced in the past to mixed results. First one, obviously we've talked about him in the past, Jack Flaherty. I would be okay with signing Jack Flaherty. I know we've discussed that pretty extensively as the offseason started, so. Yes. <laughs> he's been He's been one who, and he was the one this past week where the Pirates said, the rumor that came out was that um, if nobody else wants you for a multi-year deal, we want you for a one-year deal. Oh, is kind of how it was twisted. And I don't know if that's exactly how it was pitched to Flaherty, but it's kind of how it's it's like being construed to fans. That they approached him and said, we want you for a one-year deal, but feel free to test the market for a multi-year deal if you want it. So why not, twenty three. He signed posted a two four years. Jeez. I mean, if he wants a bounce back, like kind of pillow contract, maybe one year with an option. Well, yeah, but if we're saying, "Hey, we want you for one," go see if you can find more. Let's give the guy two. I, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that's, or they're not saying that. I'm saying that's possibly what is happening. I have no idea. My connections are limited. But, uh, so 2023, 4.99 ERA and a 4.36 FIP over 144.1 innings. It was, uh, weighed down a little bit because he did worse after the trade to the Orioles in midseason. For his career, though, 3.75 ERA, 4.01 FIP in 667.2 innings pitch. So for the career, you've got him as like a four-ish ERA guy. And so if they sign him for, I mean, the market value right now, that's probably about 10, 12 million. If you see guys like Lance Lynn getting paid. Um, but then he slots in and, and he's a top three pitcher in your three-man rotation. Yes. Yeah, and it, it's kind of hard to argue with that. Before getting hurt in St. Louis, so, he was really effective. Yeah, 2019, he had a sub-3 ERA. I think he got Cy Young votes. Um, did he finish top three? I don't think he was that. I don't know. Pretty sure he got, he's he got votes. all-star and whatnot. Yep. Yes, yes, yes. So we also have Seth Lugo, who was with the Padres this past year. Reactions. I, I'm working on it. I, <laughs> I want to say, like, Three or four years ago, I'd have been much more excited about that. Well, he's kind of had a mixed career because he's bounced between bullpen and starter. He's with the Mets before this. 
Padres moved him to full-time starter, and he actually had a really solid season. 3.57 ERA, 3.53 FIP, 146 in the third innings. Uh, career ERA is 350, 368 FIP, uh, over 641 career innings. So as far as like how many innings he can pitch, I mean, it's, it's similar to Flaherty. He only went like 140 innings. But the expected innings for a starter isn't really there anymore. No. Now, none of these guys obviously signed this week. They're all still, you know, open season. Um, but if this is now that Shohei signed, it's possible that some of these lower tier guys do start to come off the board quicker. Yeah, I think it's going to be like a domino effect now. Like maybe Blake Snell, maybe Tyler Glass now gets traded, and then you start seeing more of these getting picked off. Uh, next one, th- this will bring back some bad memories from 2013, but Michael Waka, also of the Padres this past year. I think I wanted them to try and sign Waka last year. Was he free agent last year or the year prior? Uh, he was a free agent last year. He turned down uh, an option either six or eight million, something like that, for 2024 from the Padres to test free agency. So he's, uh, this past year, a 3.22 ERA, 3.89 FIP, 134 in a third innings. His career is around four, 396 ERA, 405 FIP. But he's got the most innings of these guys, 1,288. He's been in the league for, you know, 11 seasons he's- now pitched with better teams as well like he's got the experience he's pitched yes so um trying to think of where he was before this was he in boston Boston? yeah okay all right last one i've got on this list who we're connected to and he's been tied to a number of other teams as have these guys but uh lucas giolito he's he's apparently been tied to the dodgers who apparently have like what, unlimited cash of money yeah <laughs> it's, yeah you don't want to go in a bidding war with them but Giolito famously with the White Sox previously threw a no hitter against the Pirates back in 2020 um if he ends up joining the Pirates coming off a bad season but career wise he's like either one or two if however you view him versus Keller yeah easily yeah, I, I like Giolito. I know we discussed him at the trade deadline last year about possibly trying to pick him up. Just to eat innings, yeah. yeah. <laughs> because at that point, nobody wanted him. Because Yeah, 4.88 ERA across the White Sox, Angels, and Guardians this year. Uh, four, uh, 5.27 FIP. 184 in a third innings, though. Due to eight innings. Dude, he was... He's got a career 1,013 innings. Uh, 4.43 ERA, 4.44 FIP. So he's kind of been around there. But the thing is, he's played his almost entire career with the White Sox, which is not an ideal defense most of the time. Like, if you if you kind of break it down, a lot of those players, Luis Robert, Robert, however you say it, uh, I think is good defensively, but around the board, they're not. Like, I think Tim Anderson was one of the worst defensive shortstops. So that's 
I think he could improve going to a team that's so he a little bit better defensively. Fit right in in Pittsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, our defense needs to be better, but it's it's pushed it's it's held up a lot by uh should be platinum glove winner Key Brian Hayes. So of those four, which would you most like the Pirates to sign and which would you least like the Pirates to sign? Oh god, all right. So we had Gilito. We had Flaherty, Baca, and who's the other Luke one? And Lugo. 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 Man. I like Giolito's track record besides last year. Uh, yeah, that really weighed down his career numbers. Flaherty hasn't been the same since the injury, but you know, sometimes it takes a couple seasons to really get back to your form. And he's still pretty yeah. young. I think Waka. Yeah, I think Waka might be the oldest. Say Waka's getting at like thirty-two. Yeah, he's he's a little up there, which still, I mean, compared to some guys that we've but, signed in the past, not that old. Yeah, but again, you look at the career numbers for all these guys, and they're all sub four ERA or around there. Except Gio, which is surprising, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's a tough question because I do like them all, but I, I think that's a good list of guys for them to target i'm also hopeful that they go and trade like if they're able to swing a trade with the guardians and get josh naylor and shane bieber naylor's got two years of arbitration left bieber's just got the one he's a free agent after 2024 but that's two big pieces to answer some big holes in your team's lineup yeah and your roster because uh, if we're looking at the, the roster right now, you've got, like we said, two starting pitchers. You've got a mixed bag of catcher because it could be Endy, could be Henry. You got uh, Jason DeLay, Ali Sanchez recently picked up. They don't know who, like Charrington's said recently, like we don't have a set opening day catcher. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Blows my mind a little bit, but. Uh... <laughs> and then first base. Connor Joe and Jared Triolo, you don't want to roll with that because Triolo got extremely lucky this past season. 440 uh, batting average on balls in play. We've talked about it before. Um, uh, Josh Booth of uh, Bridge of October was on uh, Pirates Fan Forum this past week and was going off about that, that topic and, and how Triolo is really kind of destined to regress in 24. Yeah, we don't like because we don't like of, analytics. You don't like analytics. Yeah, I hate analytics. You're you're the old man, <laughs> old man who's two years younger than me. Yes. So, um, and Connor Joe's fine, but he's not. He's not somebody like Josh Naylor would be so good to have there. You know, left side of the infield's pretty set. Key Brian Hayes, O'Neill Cruz, hopefully comes back from his injury is okay. Um. I believe he's scheduled to start doing winter league play soon. Second base, you know, who knows how that plays out. And then the outfield, again, you got Reynolds, you got Sawinski, you've got who knows what. Maybe Davis, maybe someone else. Reynolds, Sawinski, and who knows what. Well, apparently they want to add another outfielder too, so. Yeah, so maybe they go, I've heard they're connected to Michael A. Taylor, would be good. Um, Kevin Kiermeyer is someone who's been talked about. Those are both very good defensive 
uh, outfielders who could potentially go to center. Harrison Bader back still to right out there, where... unless he was signed that I'm not aware of it. Uh, I thought he was signed, but maybe he wasn't. I'll I'll have to look it up. But like, what other needs does, does the team have at this point? Um, I mean, you always need pitching depth. And since we don't even have the shallow end of the pool currently. Yeah. But, you know, we've already discussed that. First base. Probably a couple more bullpen pieces. Yeah, I mean, the bullpen honestly might be the strength right now, but it doesn't hurt to add to it. There's definitely ways that you can improve a number of, of uh, pitchers who are out there who I'd like to see them approach for roles there. Um, also, what kind of impact the RSN situation has, not just with the Pirates, who obviously are in a limbo trying to figure out if they're going to go to MLB or Fenway Sports Group agreed to some sort of a contract with them, whether it's one year or longer term. And, but it seems like all the other teams, the Bally Sports Group ones, or uh, Diamond Sports Group, whatever um, conglomerate, are reducing payroll. Like the Mariners, they were shedding payroll. The um, Cleveland reportedly is cutting payroll. Uh, Tampa is always cutting payroll, but like so many teams Padres who are coming off. Like, Padres were looking to cut payroll. Yeah, obviously getting rid of Soto is going to help that, but they've been vocal about that. Like a lot of teams that are coming off contending or potentially contending and still having talented teams are trying to find ways to not have that high of payroll before, as before. Like what impact is this having across the league where, as we said at the start of the show, you've got the Dodgers and Yankees and Mets. And I don't know who else is even close to that category because those guys are just going to spend for anybody. Red Sox. And then there's everyone else. Maybe even the Red Sox have taken a a big step back as far as spending. Um, the Yoshi uh, Yamamoto, the biggest international free agent, Yankees were reported to be meeting with him and, and working out like a, a three hundred million plus contract uh, proposal. Not saying that's going to be signed. I'm not going to you know get wrecked saying <laughs> he's going to Toronto and then he you know had never left Japan or something. Yeah, simmer down there, Heyman. But <laughs> but you. You see these kind of the kind of money that they're able to throw out there, and yeah, they're bigger markets. But at the same time, there's revenue sharing. There's the uh, national TV deals that they get from MLB. Like, why is this discrepancy so big between those couple teams and everyone else? Well, they just, they literally do just make that much more money than everybody else. It's a, it's a yes, it's a brand. Uh, so, do you think that having a salary cap and a salary floor, because you kind of you need both to really kind of uh, bring it all? And I don't follow pretty much don't follow any other sports, unfortunately. But like NFL, 
a team can be terrible for a couple years. Like the, you look back at the Lions, the Lions were really bad for a number of years, had an 0 and 16 season. A lot of years. But then a lot of years. <laughs> I mean, they, 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 they only had a couple of good years, but they were able to get guys like Matt Stafford and Calvin Johnson. And then they were able to be competitive for a couple of years. But there's not like, there's no super team that's just always good in NFL. Even the Patriots. The Patriots are terrible now. Well, that's because like they, they had their Belichick and Brady run, and, and now they're just garbage again. Yeah, I mean, they spent 20 years of being nearly untouchable, so. Yes, I'm glad it's over. <laughs> Once again, for as little as I follow it. But, like, that's not... But even even with that, if the best player in NFL... Like, when Brady said, okay, I'm leaving the Patriots, I want to go somewhere else, any other team in the NFL could have gotten it. And that's never going to be the case with baseball. Necessarily true though. Cause there were teams that were too close to the salary cap where they couldn't get them, but they could potentially make moves and make it work. Yeah. Like, like theoretically they could trade off some of their capital and, and you know, Add first round picks or something like that because you could trade draft picks. Yes. In NFL, MLB, you can only trade you know competitive balance picks for rounds A and B, and that's it. Like, we've got a couple years left on the current CBA, and until they hopefully are able to come to some sort of an agreement. But if we have a couple of years where the Dodgers have. And I don't know what their rotation is going to be, and maybe that'll be the deciding factor. But they've got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Shohei Otani, uh, Will Smith. They've got, you know, the payroll to be able to add guys at the deadline. Like, what's to stop them from just dominating for the next couple of years until they get a CBA in place to say, okay, you guys can't, you know, actually spend that much money, and other teams need to spend more. Like, is that what it's going to have to take? I don't know, because I don't know if the players union would agree to that. They're, they're not going to want to hinder players from getting paid big money. Right. Yeah, it seems like that's really unfortunate, because you would think some players would say, okay, if I'm really good, but I'm not like that level of good, I'm stuck with going and playing for a team that's never going to win. Like as much as Kutch loves Pittsburgh, he and if he comes back in 2024, and that's not a guarantee, but if he comes back in 2024, he's not coming back to a team that's going to be like in the discussion for a World Series. Like there's not, unless we make a crazy amount of moves between now and and you know mid February, that's just not going to happen. And that would be crazy if it happened, but like, there's just so few teams that go. And some teams will come out, like the Cincinnati Reds, they've gone out and they've been spending. Cardinals have spent, I don't know, I've been kind of mixed on how I think that's going to work out with the ads that they've made. But, you know, the Brewers, I mean, they're probably going to sell, but that's not a good example. But like I'll, I'll, it's been a, a mixed bag of as far as what teams are doing. Yeah, Philly's been out and spent a lot of money. 
yeah, I don't know how, what kind of deal they have with Comcast, but it's just frustrating. It, it's just you like you see a, a team give out the biggest contract, like the biggest free agent contract we had was for Francisco Liriano ten years ago, and it was a three year thirty some million, thirty six or thirty nine. Like, could you imagine Bob Nutting being like, yeah, we'll do a 10-year, you know, $300 million contract for, let's say, Bellinger or Snell or something like that. It'd be ridiculous. Pittsburgh would lose its mind because of how insane that suggestion would be. But if the Dodgers are doing 700, shouldn't, like, we be able to do even $100 million as a, a free agent? Yeah, like it's just so there's we're so there's, far there's from no reason Pittsburgh can't do hundred. I mean, we're finally getting extension contracts in that realm. I think so. Maybe it's around the corner. I think Pittsburgh makes close to like ninety million dollars a year just in revenue sharing money. There's no reason they shouldn't have to spend every penny of that. I think that's something that needs to be brought I up. Mean, yeah, I know the in, revenue sharing and oh, go ahead. In uh, I believe it's in the NBA. They have revenue sharing as well. Whatever the team doesn't spend on, whether it be free agents or contracts or whatever, say they had mm-hmm. seven million dollars left at the end of the year, it's split up evenly to every player that's on the roster. It has to be. Oh. It has to be given to the players. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I. the next collective bargaining agreement, they just need to figure something else out because this is just not working. And I understand the whole argument like, well, it's not the same team winning the World Series every year. But a lot of the same teams are at least, you know, in the, the ballroom for it. You know, the Astros made, what, seven consecutive ALCS? That's stupid. It is, but... And I know they're in one of the... They weren't necessarily... They're like the third or fourth biggest market. They weren't spending, like, stupid money compared to some other teams, were they? Mm, I thought, like, a lot of their guys were homegrown and just... They did have a lot of homegrown... Yeah, what's the thing? They they tanked for a long time, and then they got these homegrown players, but because they're a big market, they were able to go and... Well, I guess they, they got Verlander in a trade, they got Cole in a trade, um... They had Greinke, who I think that may have been a free agent. But they I could sign I'm, I'm that, just getting that, a little... You know, a semi-big ticket item to fill that one last need that they have. Yeah. So, I, I'm i just getting, like, a little ranty on it because I don't... I don't know what the solve is unless they get a, a salary floor and a salary cap. And hopefully they get something or some semblance of something soon. Or at least but, make it that if you're spending uh, ridiculous amounts of money that you lose your first round pick. Like, immediately. That'd be something. Not like, I, I believe right now it's like, is it your third year over the the luxury tax threshold you lose a first round pick? Something like that? Um, You have to be like a certain percentage over it. Yeah, uh, the, but they, the different like, yeah, you start losing draft picks. I think. Yeah, well, they should just do that like immediately. 
All right. Was there anything else that happened this past week that I missed? Like I said, it was a slow winter meetings. It was a lot of... It was pretty slow. Like the, the guys at the uh, North Shore 9 were posting videos from there, and they got some really cool interviews. Would love to go do that sometime. But uh, it's unfortunate for them because there was just nothing going on for them to really talk about until the Gonzalez trade, and that was really it for the Pirates, and there wasn't much going on for other teams either. Yeah, kind of reminded me of the year when Harper and Machado were free agents and they waited till what, February to sign. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that wraps it up for all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast. Thank you for joining us. You can follow me on Twitter, X, social media at 412 Double Play, Ed at Ed underscore Wassel. Continue listening to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever else podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe so you get notified when we drop our new episodes. Um, we're going to be looking to have a couple more guests to end this year. And then for the new year, I'm hoping to get a top 30 prospect list. It may be just like me talking with different guests so they can critique my picks on that. Uh, we'll see where it goes from there. But from all of us here at the 412 Double Play Podcast, thank you for joining us. And let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks.